1: theater and the visual arts. This is the Working Artist Project.
2: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Working Artist Project. My name is Gregory Ajid. Darian. How are you doing tonight?
0: Man, I, I forgot I turned my mic down. i Can you hear me? I'm doing Yeah, it.
2: we can hear you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, you know what it is, Greg? Like every week I'm trying some, you and you know, you're here with me, so you know I'm always trying something different, which which always throws me off uh, a little bit. But I'm excited tonight because we got the one and only Lydia Liebman with us. And yes, we, we're going to get to the bottom of things, man. We're going to get to the bottom. I'm excited because um, she's a publicist, man. And, and she's, she's one of the most prolific, one of the most sought after publicists in the world. And, and she's got some, some dope artists on her roster like uh, Lakeisha Benjamin, who's been on this show. Nice. Regina Carter. I can just go on and on and on and on. But you know what I'm really excited to talk to her about? What's
2: that, Darian? What publicists need from the musicians. We so, don't, well, you're telling me that just because I have a band, a publicist is not, not gonna just wanna deal with me? <laughs> no, no. Sh- <laughs> or he, she, he, they, 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 they
0: don't wanna, you know, you, you gotta bring something to the table and we're gonna get to the bottom and see what that is tonight. So awesome. without further ado, I would like to welcome Lydia Liebman to the Working Artist Project. Lydia.
1: Hey, hey guys! How are you?
2: So good, so good. Good evening. What's going on?
1: You're making me laugh with your intro. <laughs> <But>
2: <laughs> we actually rehearsed this. Uh, right. just
1: <laughs> You'd be surprised. Like a lot of the times, I think a lot of people think like the prerequisite to hiring a publicist is just like having a, a dope band. But yeah, there's so much more. Like no wow, no
2: way, <laughs>
1: no way, right?
0: <laughs> Sometimes now we just forget that we forget that we were selling something you know? yeah, and, and that's, that's the tough part for us. It's like, Hey, we got this good band and everybody can really play. And then they call you and you're just like, okay, what's the story?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. There's a lot to it. And um, it's complicated and there's all these different little things that play into success, you know, if you're going to hire publicists, but, uh, but no, thanks for having me, you guys. And also Darren, you forgot to mention, you were mentioning like clients, like, hello, yourself.
0: <laughs> you yeah.
1: forgot to mention yourself.
0: The most important client of them all, me.
2: That's come right. On. <laughs> Darian yeah, Douglas to the moon.
1: <laughs> yeah, come on, we can't forget. And um, yeah, that was a fun campaign actually with your record. And I, I actually think about your campaign a lot because I remember like we had gotten a review from a journalist who was like a total piece of shit, and he, he wrote, you know, like that um, journal uh, that artist, you know, should not get involved in like politics or like tough issues. And I was like, bro, like. <laughs> and, what and um he also like lives in the uk and like had no idea what was going on here at the election and he's not even on my list anymore so um <laughs> thank you but wow. uh it was it was uh, I actually think about that a lot because you know artists deal with that kind of um, that kind of stuff differently and um you know I always think about how you guys handled it, and I thought you guys were aced aced the uh aced it when we were dealing with that
0: guy I was doing a lot of yelling behind the scenes but I... <laughs>
1: Whatever it takes.
0: <laughs> yeah, he he told us to shut up and play, you know, and An it was it, it was not fun to hear. You know what I mean?
1: He should like just shut up and write well, which he <laughs> didn't. So anyway, it doesn't matter. It was a good time. I enjoyed it. So yeah. thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I I before we get into this because I, we don't have a whole lot of time. I I do want to kind of get some background and let people know. Because you you don't work for someone you work for yourself you built your own business from 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 nothing you know what, what I mean they say. What, what did Drake say even though I hate Drake started from the bottom but now we here so that's, that's great. What, <laughs> let's hear let's hear about why you got started in this uh, specifically.
1: Yeah. So, um, I, uh, I started my company about 10 years ago. I just had our 10 year anniversary last month, which I, I kind of count that from like the first time I was paid money to promote a show. <laughs> so that was in October of 2011. And I got started when I was in college. I was at Emerson college and Berkeley college of music simultaneously did this joint program thing. And I, uh, you know, I, I should probably back up and, and mention that I came from a musical family and my father's musician, my mother's musician. I was always in jazz and uh, it was kind of just what I knew, but I didn't always love it. I went through many, many years of, you know, revolting against what your parents do and like. So obviously I couldn't like jazz because that would make me, you know, like a loser to like my, my parents' stuff. So I had to really like take the time to get there. And then eventually I was like, oh my God, wait uh, jungle street's kind of amazing. Like what is wrong with me? And I, I got my, you know, got my life together, but it wasn't, it wasn't a thing that happened, uh, quickly. It took me some time of, you know, being a teenager. And then eventually, um, I, I, you know, I was involved in musical activities. I used to sing and play piano and all that stuff. So I, I did all that, but I always kind of knew the business side and just growing up around it. And you kind of, I don't know, you pick up things just without realizing it. And then when I went to college, I uh, got really involved in radio. I got really involved in, in, I was always into journalism and writing, but even more so. And uh, before I knew it, I I had this radio show. It was a jazz program. Um, I had a lot of friends on that show and they would come on and talk about their concerts. And it kind of, one thing led to another where it was like, well, I'm having these people on my show to advertise their, their gigs. Like, how can I take that a step further? And, um, I felt like a lot of my, my friends didn't, we all really didn't really know what to do. I didn't know what to do. Like, we just kind of felt our way along and, uh, started doing posters and flyers and, you know, it it just started really organically and really naturally. And, um, you know, it was a whole thing. And, uh, I did that all throughout college. And then I moved to New York here in 2014 when I graduated. And when I moved to New York, I was like, well, Like, am I going to do this? Am I going to do something else? Like what's going to be the vibe? And I decided to just go with it. I said, I'm going to give it like a year, year and a half and like, see how this is. And people kind of kept hiring me for stuff. And before I knew it, I was like, oh shit, I guess like we're doing this (laughs) and and this is the gig, but it was definitely, um, it took years. I, I always say like the first five years really felt like me just kind of winging it and just learning how things went as they went, and uh, then eventually I got okay at it, and now I hope I'm I'm better than okay. But it definitely took a lot of time to get there. Yeah.
2: What? So what? What you you mentioned earlier that you were kind of revolting against your parents and and in your dislike for jazz music, and um, it's it's I find that ironic because you are essentially a jazz publicist these days. And so what what changed that perspective? And yeah. uh, you know.
1: it's a good question. Yeah. You know, I think it was just, I, when you grow up around something, you don't always appreciate it when it's in front of you. And I mean, I grew up literally, you know, the minute I was born, you know, my dad always tells a story, like he was playing like crescent on a flute in like the room I was born in, you know, so it was, you know, you can't (laughs) (laughs) like, like when you're born, it's that kind of environment. It's, it's kind of, it's just part of the vibe. So when you're a kid growing up, it's, you know, I was like, having to go to gigs really late at night. I was at the backstage till one in the morning, two in the morning, like sleeping, you know, you know, with my my mom and I hanging back there and just wanting it to be over because like I'm so tired. And you know, when you're a kid, you don't really know what's going on. You're just like, oh man, I gotta go to like Birdland again or oh, I've got to go to like, you know, <laughs> like got to get in the tour bus. You know, and so, so that type of thing when you're growing up, like, just part of the vibe. So I think naturally you're like, Oh gosh, like I don't want to have anything to do with that. Cause this is what I am around all the time. Um, but really actually what happened was one day I was, I don't know, I was like 13 or something and going through like my dad's record collection. And I pulled out, uh, like it was a, this Coltrane box set, I think it was like the Columbia box that it had like the eight CDs or something like that. And, uh, the first thing I pulled was like live at the village vanguard, you know, and I heard that and I was like, Oh shit, this is like incredibly great. And it just, it was weird. It was like something finally clicked in my head where I was like, Oh shit, this is great. Like I, I felt it. I was like, okay, if I just let myself like this, I think I'm going to really love this. And then it was kind of just like allowing me to just kind of like let the, you know, the teenager shit go. And then you're, you, you kind of can get into it. Um, so then I, you know, I, Bill Evans at the Montreal Jazz Festival was like my, my real, you know, my real record where I, I listened to that wore it out, you know, and, and then I started just really love jazz, but it, it really took time. It was not an easy thing. And um, I also had, you know, friends that were musicians. And as I got older, it just became obvious that this was my people. This was like my, my thing, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, when you grew up in like that kind of environment, it's a different a different thing. And um, that's why I'm always really curious when I when I meet musicians and people, I ask them, like, what got you into jazz? Because for me, I it was just so innate and so natural. But I'm always so curious what taps other people and how they get there. It's like one of my favorite things to ask people. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's how we got there.
2: <laughs> it sounds like a similar experience to me. I mean, I hate I had to admit this, too, but the first couple of <laughs> times I heard jazz, I wasn't the biggest fan. <laughs> Yeah. Sure,
1: it's it's hard, you know. It's 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 hard, and um, when you're a young 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 kid hearing that, you know, it's, yeah. it takes some time.
0: We all hated at first, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what
1: is yeah. broccoli?
2: I love broccoli now, though. You know, what I'm saying? Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> yeah, it Takes some time, but no, I, jazz, jazz is the best, man. Like I, I love it, and now it, I mean, obviously, it's so. I mean, it's always been, but now it's even more so. Just mm. it's like so ingrained in my life. It's just yeah. No way I could do anything else.
0: (laughs) If you had to explain to someone who is from Mars, what the heck is a publicist, you know?
1: Okay. So you really like, don't even need to be from Mars to like, not know what publicist does. Like, I don't think like, I mean, I barely know what I do. Um, I, I would say that uh, a, a publicist's job is to, uh, is to publicize, is to spread the word. Um, It's to, it's to promote and to be the conduit between uh, an artist or Whatever you're, whoever you're being hired by and the public or the press. I mean, there's all these different degrees of what a publicist does. In our world, though, it is uh, kind of the in-between between the artist and, and the press. Um, so in, in my case, too, like I'm not really dealing a lot with the general public. I mean, I, I used to when I did concert promotion, but these days it's like I'm really interfacing with, you know, with journalists and, and radio hosts and, and media, basically. And uh, that's what we do. We, uh, you know, spread the good word. And uh, our job is to get people interested in our clients and to, you know, get them to cover it in some, in some fashion or some way.
2: So usually, can I, I, I'm just going to predict how this usually goes. It's like, um, you, we're going to spread the good word. And we have, uh, we have Johnny over here, who's the best piano player that I've ever heard in my life. And we, they, we send the article to downbeat and they just say like, Hey, right. Johnny's the best guy ever. And then like a month later, you're like, Tony's the best saxophone that I've ever heard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I really do wish. Yeah, you know, it, 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 w- at a total basic level, I, I get that is yes, it, at, at, like at the total baseline, sure, that's that's how it is. But um, a good publicist or just a publicist trying doing their job um, at all, the the idea though is to find what makes that particular artist stand out. So what mm. differentiates? Johnny, from Bobby, from Steve, who all play piano and, you know, all kind of maybe sound have similar attributes or, you know, are in the same scene or in the same circle. It's like, what are we, what is it that we can find from these artists that makes them stick out? So for me, uh, one of the really important things when I'm considering an artist and considering a project is actually the story. Like, what was the inspiration behind this recording? You know, where did you uh, where did how did you and the band come together? Is this a regular band? Did you get them together just for this, this recording? You know, what was the interaction like in the studio? Tell me about the creative process. You know, it's like I want to know these little things so that I can kind of help formulate a compelling narrative, a compelling story, because the music is just one little part of it. And uh, unfortunately, when you're dealing with this, there's all these different components. So you have like the music, you've got the story, then you have about the artists themselves, you know, like where are they in their career? Because that, you know, gives a lot of uh, indication on what kind of press they're going to get. So, I mean, there's all these like little puzzle pieces that all kind of have to work together. And it's kind of my job and my colleague's job to sort of figure out like, how they fit together and like what pieces of that puzzle like we want to emphasize and you know um sometimes it does come down to this is like a really killing guy and he's amazing and you would be crazy not to check him out I mean every Mm -hmm. now and then there's like a wonderkin that comes across the radar but what I always say about that is if you're the only person telling people how amazing (laughs) someone is (laughs) chances are (laughs) they're not quite as uh quite as life-changing as you as they 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 might think they are and so does that person's
2: mom or dad count also or is it just uh (laughs) it's
1: a whole other discussion but uh you know yeah no they definitely don't count um it's just like yeah you know it's it's funny because i as i'm sure you can imagine like i get cold calls all the time constantly and we're constantly getting stuff and i'll get people like man but no but you haven't heard so-and-so play like this is like it's another level. It's going to change your life. Like everyone, once they hear it, they're going to get it. And I mean, sometimes it is really good, but so, so much of the time it's like, at this point, it's like, if, if I, again, if you're the only person telling me that and I'm would be the only person then relaying that it's probably not what you think it is. So, so there's all these kind of like little things, you know, that. So that what
2: happens. do you, what do you, what exactly are you looking for? Like when someone comes to you for yeah. publicity,
1: you know, it's so funny because like, what I'm looking for has changed actually a little bit with COVID. So like before COVID, I think, I think like I was a little bit, a little bit more idealistic before COVID. Maybe I wouldn't say naive, but I, I think that there was more room for kind of um, greener talent to grow. If that makes sense. I feel like now post COVID, there's been a lot of journalism jobs that have gotten lost. Um, A lot of publications have shut down. A lot of radio stations have downsized. So the openings and the opportunity for people to get coverage these days, it's different than it even was a year and a half ago. So if you asked me this like two years ago, I would say, well, for me, I really want to see a good story. And obviously the music has to be good and, you know, it should be, um, they have to obviously be a great musician. Like I got to be able to play so that if they're live, you know, people are not going to be completely disappointed when they see them live. Like everything's got to kind of align. Um, but now these days I'm also, in addition to that stuff, I'm also kind of looking to see like where they are in their career. You know, it's like, I used to take a ton of debut projects and now I feel like I can't take as many as I would have because there's just not a lot of opportunity. And like, I don't want to rip this artists off, you know, we all want to give everyone a good shot and be fair and everything. So, so these days I'm also kind of looking at like where they are in their career. And if it is a debut project, it's like, I really, really, really want to understand like what it is they're looking to get out of this experience. You know, are they aware of the playing field? And, um, you know, just kind of get a read on the personality. So that actually plays a lot, too, into whether we take somebody as kind of like how the artist is and their temperament and all that. So it kind of differs, uh, it differs um, per se. Um, no. but generally, though, story, good music can play. And, you know, that they're not out of a box somewhere. You know, they've been around for a second.
0: Lydia, one, one of the most... One of the things I really wanted to talk to you about, because I in the community I do hear this a lot. This this phrase, I'm sure you know it as a publicist. A lot of people are like, "Man, I paid that publicist all this money, and nothing didn't happen, or I didn't get this art." You know, because in their mind, the music, the, their presentation is beautiful, and they should be getting written up in every uh, magazine and blog and this and that. How do you manage expectations from artists? Because the the you have to get paid for the work, it, whether it you know, if something comes out of it or not, that doesn't mean you didn't do the work. It's just like, maybe those people didn't bite, right?
1: Totally, totally. It's hard, you know, I, um, it's difficult. I mean, I try to be very upfront and transparent with my artists from the, from the get-go, you know, from the first conversation, I try to be really clear about like, look, here's where things are right now. Here's what I'm seeing. Like, here's the ROI that you can kind of expect or hope to get from this experience. But I always say like any publicist that guarantees anything is to me a sus because it's like we can't, you know, because we're not like like even if we have the best relationship in the world. Like I have journalists that are homies, you know, that I love and that I call up, you know, in the middle of the night and, and pitch something to. It doesn't mean they're going to take it like they have an editor, you know, they have uh, demographics to, to, you know, to keep track of of who's you know, clicks and downloads and all this. Like there's there's all these different things that go into play when it comes to someone placing a story. So I try to be really upfront when I'm speaking with artists about what to expect to be like, look, just because, you know, so-and-so at the New York Times happens to cover these two beats that might fit with your project. And for example, that doesn't mean that he has even the, you know, can cover it because he has people above him that are, you know, dictating what can be done. So I, I try to be really upfront for like what the deal is. Um, I think also too, so much of it is explaining that PR is a long game and this is not something that happens overnight. Um, I think that a lot of the frustration artists feel, and I totally get it, because it's frustrating for me too. Is the waiting game, and it's like you kind of have to just like be patient, let things build up. And you got to set a foundation. You have to build on that foundation. And it takes so long. Like nobody breaks overnight. They look like they do, but mm. there's so much work that went into them breaking overnight. And that's something that I always just try to be really clear. Um, I also something with me too. Like I don't know. I also try to be financially sensitive I mean honestly to artists like I have a certain like I'm not going to go above a certain cap like no matter what um for me like I could charge more but I won't because I don't think it's like it's just after a certain point it's like there's the ROI is not worth it like I I grew up with musicians like I know what it's like I'm married to a musician it's like the, uh, the, the PR should not be the most expensive part of your campaign like I just or the part of your album release in my opinion so that's another thing. Um, I think if, you know, if an artist is, is not paying an arm and a leg and their kid to hire a publicist, you know, it's, again, it kind of sets the expectation at a certain degree, as opposed to like, if that's the most expensive thing, their whole album drop. Um, so that also plays into it. Uh, do you- but so much of it is being upfront and honest.
0: Mm-hmm. No, a lot of times we don't think about all of the components, you know, it's like you're one component. Of, yeah. of the entire of the entire picture, like you know, you got radio also, which is a different fee, right? Um, so, do how do you do you tell people that, or, or you know what I mean, or it, like, are you saying like, okay, I want to set you up for success, but you need me, but you also need these other five?
1: People. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, look, the recipe that they say, I mean, the recipe for success for any artist, so they say, is a manager, publicist, and booking agent. You know, those are the three things that everyone wants to have now. You know, a booking agent these days is far. I mean, few and far between. I, you know, those that are active and doing good work are, you know, they're busy. Like they have full rosters, and with I feel like with a with a booking agency, like you really have to be sensitive about who's on your roster because it's it's not you know an article. It's like it's a gig. Like you can't have people that are competing directly with each other, or if you are, you know, you have to manage that a certain way. So it's not like the booking agents are they're signing up artists left and right. So that's tough. And then a manager you need to have something to manage to have a manager. And that's the other thing a lot of people mistake Or uh, they're like, well, I, I need to get a manager. I, I'm looking for a manager. And I'm like thinking most of the time. Come on. Huh? Yeah. I'm like, you want a manager, but like for what though? Like, what are you, mm-hmm. what, is, what are you doing that you can't manage yourself? Like realistically, because they're going to take a cut. So it's like, you're going to pay 10 to 15% or whatever to someone to take a cut off of, big and small i mean yeah it's just like like realistically it's like what are we looking at so yeah of course those four but those three things are what you'd like to have in order um the people that do have those things in order though are usually at like They've been plugging away at this for 15, 20, maybe even 30 years by the time they get all those things. So that's uh, what I always try to tell people is like, like, this is the goal. But right now, you're probably not ready for a booking agent. You're probably not ready for a manager. Well, definitely not ready for a manager. So it's like, how are we going to fill in those gaps until we get there? Um, So I can help you do X, Y, Z, but you've got to go out and get gigs for for this market so that we can have something to push somewhere. Um, If you're trying to get on the radio, obviously, you need to hire a radio promoter for that. Uh, and if you're trying to reach audiences on social media, which these days we all are, then if your numbers aren't good, you should probably look into hiring someone to help you with that. So, you know, these are all like these little things that kind of play into it. Um, but a lot of the time, the publicist is the one who ends up getting hired without those other things in play necessarily, right. which does make our job a bit harder. So it is, uh, it's just one little tiny part of like the big microcosm of like having a career. Right. Yeah.
2: You know, it's like this is, everything you just said. I feel like it's one of the toughest things for a musician to digest, yeah, and fully understand. And 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 I'm just from my personal experience. I remember being part of the music industry program at Loyola, and every time we would have these conversations, I was just like, "Well, you don't get it. Like, I'm really good,
1: yeah,"
2: and. <laughs> That that's just where my head was, and so I totally I feel like I can understand, um, you know, the 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 complexity and under in, in kind of like communicating to a musician that like you got to get a story together, you have to have something to sell, and a lot of times what we're selling is not actually the music, oh. um, and and so maybe like I was wondering if you could like further break down like like what can a musician do to um, have a story, to have something compelling uh, to to garner an audience or make your job easier.
1: Yeah. The thing that's that's tough about that is that you don't want to fabricate a story or make a story just for Mm -hmm. the sake of making a story because we can kind of tell. You know, I can tell when an artist has shoehorned a narrative into his project. And it's kind of (laughs) like... (laughs) You kind of have to start. You have to kind of. I think at least. I mean, everyone probably has different, of course, different opinions on this. But for me, it's like I feel like you really have to start at an organic and true and honest place. So the idea has to be coming from you, and then you figure out, you know, how you want to put that into your record or whatever it is you're doing. And then that is what's brought to a publicist something that's already been, you know, brewing. That uh, is something that's an important story to you, not something you just like fabricated to pitch to a PR person. Because again, like we can usually see through it. And I have nothing, you know, it happens like all the time. People are trying to create stories around things, or maybe they did just make a burner, you know, a burner record. And I'm like, we got to get more out of this. Like, tell me something like, like the song track three, like what's that about? Like, I don't know. if we just improvise in studio, just count that. Well, like, was your cat sick or something? Like, can we say you were thinking about that? Like, <laughs> like, 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 I'm like, well, like, what was the color of the sky that day? Like, can we say that it was like the darkness of like the clouds, like, you know, like influenced your dark mood? And that's why it's not, you know, I mean, there's like all these things that we <laughs> try to create if we have to. But the projects that do the best are those that come from an organic and true place. So I think that, um, you know, when it comes to the story, uh, how- Having it be a genuine story, first of all, is what's important. Um, The other thing is also, and this is going to kind of negate everything I've said, but (laughs) it is true that not everything needs to be a symphony either. And not everything needs to be a, you know, a major production. Some things can just be a burner and they can just be a session. And that's cool. And we can go in with that. Um, But then, you know, in that case, then we want to go back to what we said before and say to the client, temper expectations, maybe because you might be dealing with like a slightly different situation because your narrative is, is this or isn't this, you know? So it, uh, it really depends. Um, It depends on, on the client and, you know, it depends on their goals and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Lydia, this is a, an education problem, you know, in, in, (laughs) <laughs> Look at Greg, right? Here we go again. Every week, Darian, talking about education. I, I agree with you on this one, though. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I think this this should be... like We need you, people like you. You. We need you specifically. We're going to hire you for 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 our organization to come teach some of this stuff. So, Anytime. So, yeah. <laughs> but, like, we should teach these principles in middle school for sure, if yeah. not earlier. Because, like, you know, when you get out of college, they just pat you on the ass, like, all right, guys, go out there and play some gigs and you just like but how do I get a gig <laughs> you know yeah yeah, yeah
1: yeah totally man it's it's a problem I mean I mean look I went to Berkeley and Emerson College I went to two like schools that are the chop supposedly like the top in their field in media and music and like I was never I, I took music business classes like we never really got chopped this stuff you know um at all I I think the closest thing I had was at Emerson and I had a class that uh the professor taught me you know it was like actually it was a producing class with the how to be a producer and and that was the only class where like they actually explained like hey this is how a grant works you know mm-hmm. or this is how uh what else did she say i think that's the only thing i took away from it was how to write a grant but like that was really important well, at least i now understand you know how at least to a degree like oh wow this is how a grant works like i know how to kind of write one and um thank goodness because, and she just like taught us that because she happened to be knowledgeable in that field. It wasn't like part of the curriculum. So, which is so interesting. Um, so I agree. It's, it's a kind of an issue because I feel like if you grow up knowing that like, yeah, you are a musician, you are an artist, but this is, you're going to be your career. These things, like you have to know these things. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah.
2: Is it, is it ignorant for me to th- say something like, like, I mean, like, as I'm hearing all this, like, I think that like, this, when you're talking about the story, like, like Miles Davis or something like Miles is a compelling story because he played with Charlie Parker and then, you know, he has a whole resume of cats. Um, but I guess younger musicians, you know, we just study the art side of things like Darren is saying. And, and do you think like, like for cats, like Miles or Coltrane or even maybe your dad, like, the same like publicity principles that like we're kind of talking about now, were those things in play back then for their careers? Or like, is this a unique issue uh, due to the fact that the industry has completely changed over the last couple of years?
1: That's a good question. I think, well, publicity and PR has always been part of the equation since the beginning of the of- entertainment business. So it definitely, um, I think though the method of, of course, the method of telling those stories has changed so much. And that is what dictates so much of how we approach our jobs. So for example, I mean, even in the past 10 years, since I started my business to now, it has changed so much. I mean, social media has changed everything and made everything have to be so quick. And it's like, People don't have the attention span or the, the wherewithal to do a to digest a very, you know, a long uh, deep dive article these days. I mean, they do about certain things. I mean, people were writing about culture, you know, until the end of time, like we know. But the idea of forgetting that for every client is, is impossible because it's just it doesn't generate clicks, it doesn't generate, you know, uh, readership. I mean, sometimes the most heartbreaking email I get is from an editor who's like, yeah, like we actually aren't running reviews anymore because people tap out after reading the first three lines. So we're just doing premieres and like playlists now, you know, and this happens all the time because people tap out. So it's a different scene. I think back then, you know, you had a lot more opportunity for people to really write about this music. So it was different. Um, Obviously, you know, you go back way far back, you're talking about this music being much more popular than it is now. Um, We're also dealing with such a competitive market. Um, So it's, very different in that regard. But also I think something that's interesting is that the level right now, um, my dad and I talk about this sometimes, it's like the level's really high. Like The level now is extremely high in the sense that kids are coming out of college before actually coming out of high school and they're burning already because they've been starting on this so early and they have everything at their fingertips. I mean, the internet has changed everything. So you can see everything right away, and this is something like my dad like is still like that can't believe he's like man you can just like go on and find like this bootleg of train like doing that like you would never he never had that growing up, you know so that kind of exposure has just made for musicians to be just absolutely killing so everyone's good so when everyone's really good you know it's harder to stand out being really good you have to be beyond good you have to be amazing you have to be incredible you have to have something else that really pushes you forward so I think that that has definitely changed the landscape a bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, Miles had a great story. I mean, you know, he was also extremely cool. Like, I don't know. I Like who wouldn't want to cover Miles Davis? I, you know, so yeah, it was uh, definitely good to be Miles at the time.
2: I guess you know? a lot of times, like we just like specifically with Miles too, like he was like a social character, a social yeah. icon too, in addition to his music. So I guess a lot of people as musicians, we just are like, well, you know, Miles did, you know, kind of blue and then he did bitches brew. And that's why he's famous. <laughs> <laughs> ah, <man>. yeah
1: <laughs> i wish it was that easy it's um Never you, to talk to you need jam. to have you need to have my dad on the show he'll give you some tidbits and then you'll know yeah. why miles was famous
0: <laughs> <laughs> but those do? are
1: not my stories to tell so i won't but yeah it's uh yeah you got to like look at the time and place and context is, is everything
0: yeah, see, I think these new, these new musicians are uh, not social creatures. And so nice. <laughs> I've been trying to have a conversation with some of them. you like, okay, you know? I mean, even sure. people in our generation is, is, is rough in, in that. And also there's like a, something happened, especially in jazz where pop culture was the devil. And so like, like a lot of times people aren't even in touch what is current, you know? Like Drake is current, Ghost is current. But if you're creating music like Cold Training, and we're creating music, but also referencing current music, right? So if you're if you're in in some kind of a loop where you're just creating music that you just hear that has nothing to do with popular culture, you can't relate to popular culture. You, no one's gonna give a fuck. Like I just hate to say. Totally. That.
1: <laughs> no, it's so true. It's so true. I mean, it's a it's a major disconnect, and I, I think you put it correctly when you said, you know, pop culture became like the, you know, the antichrist of, of jazz musicians, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, you know, how dare you even bother listening to whatever, you know? And um, yeah, I don't, I don't subscribe to that thought myself. You know, I, I think that the way to keep this music moving forward is to incorporate and adapt to the times because, you know, the time is not going to stop. Like we're going to keep moving forward and if we are stuck in one pattern and one thing like we're never going to grow and I mean, our audience is just going to keep diminishing I mean you know you look out at a major concert call and everybody is elderly like they're not going to be here forever so who's going to be coming to these shows and keeping this music sustained uh and I don't think it's you know I, I just yeah I don't I don't agree with the whole uh, the jazz police um uh, thing, which, you know, of course I dealt with this my whole life and it's not something I think is the way to be. So, If, I'm with
2: if, you. A, <laughs> if, if a musician is out there like looking to headline festivals and things like that and maybe like garner like a, a top tier, headliner type status, do you feel like the artist should consider like maybe comprom- compromising, but maybe adapting their music to more contemporary styles, like maybe like a Kamasi Washington kind of character or kind of style or do you think that you can play free jazz and have a compelling story that elevates you to like MTV or something
1: <laughs> You know honestly you never really know like what's going to hit I mean if you had said like if you had told me before Kamasi was big that Kamasi would be big I mean I like I don't know like I I guess I probably would have seen it because I dig it but I don't know if like my dad would see it for example like I think he probably would be like what like there's no way that would ever be popular and mm. You know, sometimes things just catch on. Um, I, I don't really think you need to compromise your artistry to fit it into anyone's box. I, I do think, though, it's important to be, like, aware of what's going on and to make a decision. I guess it's better to put it like this, to make an informed decision if you choose to include that into your musical artistry, if, if that makes sense. Not to just do it because you think it's going to make you popular, but if you feel genuinely like it's going to enhance what you're doing, um, I think then, sure, you know, by all means, but it, it has to be coming from a genuine, a genuine place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's an audience for everything now. And I'll tell you something that's really interesting and I just got off of it, but like the past two weeks has been um, the the Grammy season and where people are voting for the first round of the Grammy entries. And I help some of my clients, you know, kind of go through this process. And, you know, and so because of that, I get to hear a lot of music and I hear music from like all over genres, like children's music, global music, um, Americana. I mean, Two weeks of listening to what's on this ballot, and we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of entries. There is something for everyone. I mean, there is music out there that I cannot believe is being made. I mean, it doesn't mean it's good. Like some (laughs) of it is way out, and I'm like, oh my God. But there's an audience for it and someone who believes in, in this music enough to produce a record and put it on the Grammy ballot. You know, this isn't like people in their in their basement doing a demo. I mean, these are like people invested money because they believe in it. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, like every every year when I when I go through this process, it kind of in a way it's wild, but it also kind of just reinforces like, wow, there's only 12 notes yet. There's so much you could possibly do with it. And um, there is something for everyone. The, the key is finding your people. And that is where you hope a publicist comes in who can help expose you to mm. those people that will dig what you're doing.
0: Yeah, that's deep. That's, that's the trickiest part, especially when you're, you know, in a, in a niche market like jazz. It's like, all right, you know, how do I find my people? How do I get them to buy my records? Which, <laughs> which is, you know, it's like damn near impossible these days. It's like people don't really understand how musicians make money. You know what I mean? I think they think we make money by
2: looking pretty. You know what I'm saying? What do you think, Greg? I know I'm. That ain't how I get paid. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, as, as you're saying that, I'm thinking. Um, do you ever check out this guy named Seth Godin?
0: Well, no, I don't think so. Oh, you
2: gotta check Seth out. Yeah, I love uh, Seth. But you no, know, he of he had this he had this thing where he was saying he was like, you know, like Nike, um, Nike didn't invent the running community. They just like, you know, the running community always existed, and they just. Sold their product to them. So I guess that's the same thing as like musicians too. A lot of times we have this idea that we're on the fringe and no one knows or appreciates what we're doing. But but again, I guess the publicist is the connector between the uh, the artist and the, the existing community. Which which I, cats need to hear that because it's like I don't like you say, they don't
0: really know what you do. <laughs> they just know I should get a publicist because I cause I recorded a record, but for what purpose? You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Exactly, man. It's uh <laughs> <laughs> It's, um, it is hard to explain what we do because I also feel like PR, at least me, I mean, I don't know. I probably, cause I did this uh, without really knowing what I was doing when I started. I just kind of like went with it. So I don't know. I'm always like wearing like a thousand different hats at once. And I feel like I'm always doing like so many different things, but it's a lot that goes into it. Like there's so many different elements that go into this process where, you know, that's why, like when I get clients every now and then, like, I've been so lucky, like 99.9% of the people I've worked with are amazing and they're great people. And I've never, I, I rarely, rarely, rarely ever have issues, but every now and then I'll get like some random who's like, well, oh, I didn't get that downbeat review. And so I don't want to pay, you know, and it's like, <laughs> and I'm just like, listen, um, the amount of work that like went into you didn't <laughs> get that downbeat review was insane. And like, you probably should be doing a, a being thankful because maybe maybe be a bad review. Like maybe that's why you didn't get it, you know, but, but truthfully though, it's um, it's like, there's so much work, so much that goes into it that sometimes it's really hard to explain actually what a publicist does, because I feel like we do everything. <laughs> so that's also why it's hard to pinpoint it. <laughs> I
0: do want to ask a question and maybe this is an insider question that you can't answer, but how do you get the context or like, how, you know, what do you do to even build that type of contact list?
1: I, so I built my contact list from scratch. So I never, um, never subscribed to a database. I never really asked. I some, There was some PR people I, d- I did ask for certain things, but I was really conscious to not ask for like a list. I've never asked another person for a list in my life. The reason why is, is I never wanted to be indebted to anyone else. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's the truth. Like I... I've always kind of had this mentality that like, I always just wanted to like do my own thing. And I just, I kind of like dealt with enough. Honestly, I dealt with enough bullshit being my dad's daughter where people were like, well, she's just getting it because of Dave. I swear to God, like this happened all the time. It still happens, you know, which is insane, but it happens all the time. And it's like, that's not true. Like my dad didn't even know, like he hired a publicist for the first time ever, you know, when I was in college because he got the NEA award, you know, like he didn't even have a publicist his whole life. Like he just got a manager at 70 years old. Like, you know, like wow. it's like this actually was really, really disconnected from what my dad was doing in his career. So, you know, I already kind of had that. So I was like, all right, I really want to be careful to not give the impression that I'm like exploiting that or like anything like that. Cause I'm even if I could, I don't even know how I would, because he doesn't have what I need. (laughs) He doesn't have the contacts because my dad doesn't, doesn't know. So it was kind of like, uh, that kind of mentality kind of made it that I was really, um, very like independent this whole time. So I literally was like surfing and, you know, like literally just looking for contacts. I mean, my first couple of years was me digging, digging, digging. I was not part of like scission or, any PR lists or anything like that. And it was really hard. Um, and a lot of it was really difficult. I mean, the first five years, oh my goodness, I would show up at like the jazz connect conference or whatever. And I mean, I, I, Would the only people that knew me were people that remembered me from when I was like a young kid, like running around when my parents were at this type of conferences and like, oh, you're so tall now. And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to be Thank you. (laughs) You know, it was really hard. It was like, oh, it's Aiden Karas' kid, that's so cute. You know, but it's like, no, I'm really trying to like do this on my own. Um, so it was really hard. I mean, it took a lot of work. Um, so that's how I got the contacts was me literally like researching the shit out of all of this stuff and just always watching like a minute I would see someone cover jazz somewhere. I was like screenshot. I was like, Oh my God, who is that? You know, and try to find them. And, and uh, I also am actually a little, um, it probably doesn't come across in this podcast or this interview but I am a little like kind of shy sometimes when I have to meet people new like and so I I didn't have really even the confidence to like go up to a journalist at a show like I was like not confident to do that like I'd be like oh my god they're gonna be like why is this girl bothering me so I wouldn't even do that like that was really hard for me so uh yeah it's I still get nervous to pick up the phone sometimes it's ridiculous like it's uh it's syndrome posture syndrome never leaves me but that's how I did it, uh, just nope. from the beginning. And then eventually they start coming to you and they start out, you know, then they, then journalists start coming and then, you know, now it's different, but that's how I did it.
2: I guess, I guess that's also too, one of the most important things to remember is that like this whole industry is about connections or about relationships with people, you know, and, and as a musician too, who spends, um, you know, as a musician, who spent many, many, many countless hours in a room by himself practicing. And, uh, Then you oftentimes forget it's like yo like you need people to make this dream happen. You need people in the band. You need people in the audience. You need people buying the records, listening to you, and so you know we do have to find opportunities for us to connect um, all the time. I have a completely random question. I'm going to throw this like another direction, but I've been I grew up with Jonathan Batiste, Mm -hmm. and in the last couple, like the other day, I was watching the uh, Facebook metaverse on Reveal. And he's like f- scrolling through iTunes and John John's record is the one they're scrolling through. And, you know, man, I wish him all the best. He's an amazing, amazing role model and musician and everything. But I, I was maybe wondering, do you have to sing if you want to reach that level of stardom? <laughs> and, and I mean, and, I, and I'm asking that because I, I, just, I was just like thinking about John's like you know like twelve year career from putting out jazz records to starting to play with Wynton and Roy Hargrove and and now he's like literally a pop star.
1: Yeah, he's a su- he's a bona fide superstar. Like yeah. he is he is like the the jazz superstar that we have right now. Like because we only get one, so yeah. <laughs> you know he's we only get one. So he he is definitely like our one. Yeah, um, it helps to sing. People love voices they love lyrics people Mm. love lyrics um (sighs) kind of I, i i think it's i think it's important i mean if you think of the jazz celebrities that we have you know you've got john you have esperanza she sings you know you've got um who is, I mean, Kamasi, yeah, but I, 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 I guess, I guess, I guess so. I mean, I don't know if he, but he's not like a the level, like John is like another level. Like I would say John Franza. I mean, Nora Jones, she sings, Diana they sing. I mean, yeah, like, you know, of course, Winton is is Winton. I mean, he doesn't sing, but he has everything else. I and mean, he's got a whole other thing. Um, I think Terrence Blanchard is kind of cutting into this, is kind of hitting that that too with his stuff in that. You know, I mean, you have cultural icons, Christian McBride, you know, can kind of fit in there, you know, that are identifiable to more than just the people that are watching this, <laughs> you know, that's kind of, you know, will my neighbor, the guy down the hall, like would he recognize Went Marcellus if you saw him on the street? I think he probably would, you know, um, Washington, maybe not, definitely not actually. Um, so that's kind of like my barometer, you know, um, yeah, though, it, in the end, though, it, it certainly helps to be accessible. And John is on Colbert. I mean, hello, you know, he's...
2: Yeah, I, I guess like as, a, as an instrumentalist, I was just maybe wondering, like, sometimes do you have to like set people's expectations to a little more realistic, you know, like, hey, maybe you're not going to get on the cover of Time Magazine, but we could try, you know, Clarinet Weekly or something. <laughs>
1: First first, okay, first of all, for the record, if someone out there wants to do clarinet weekly or like double read weekly, I am so down for that. I think every instrument should have their own magazine because like it's the best. So um I'm down to definitely support that. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like nobody thinks that they're gonna like I have yet to encounter someone who like genuinely thinks that they're gonna be, you know, like a super a global superstar from a jazz campaign. Like I've certainly had people that think that they could have shadows of that and, and, uh, inklings of that. Um, but thankfully like no one has been that delusional to come to me and tell me that, but you know, it, it, in the end though, unfortunately it does come down to like accessibility, you know, and it's like John Batiste is making music now that is, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was listening to him with Terry Gross. I listened to Fresh Air like every day and a couple uh, months ago I was like listening to him Mm -hmm. and, um, in this interview and when i heard the music i hadn't heard his music in a minute you know beyond what i hear and see you know just around and i was like oh my god like this is is he's yeah he's like uh he's a pop star you know and uh god bless you know um
0: i think the beautiful thing yeah john did and and you can talk about this as as a professional in this industry is he positioned himself not as a jazz musician right I, when he wasn't playing jazz and he was never playing jazz when he was playing with his band. And I think that's the piece that's missing here. He never called himself a jazz musician because he knew that that he was, that's death. <laughs> he, 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 wanted yeah. to reach the masses. So he called it something else and he still played the same music. That's the thing. You just gotta, sometimes you gotta, you gotta, like a uh, Nicholas Payton, you know, hey. it's really the same thing. Nick is just a little bit, more he just rubs people wrong John just said, I'm going to call it something else I'm going to do something that's going to call it a love riot instead of like fuck everybody which was, is what Nick does same <laughs> yeah. I, I love Nick just saying, same thing in my opinion different approaches Nick come on the show I and mean, I would love to debate you And uh, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you see what I'm saying he posi- Absolutely. position himself like oh I'm going to go out here and play some jazz and then also be a, a mega star
1: yep It's important to think about that because unfortunately, you know, the word jazz has, I don't even want to say it has a negative connotation because it doesn't, it just, it has to me, or it does to some, but it has a connotation to me that it's, you know, people are, jazz is not popular. Like it's not popular music. So if you say jazz, it's like, it already puts it in a certain, a certain category that people are kind of, they shy away from it. Um, So yeah, it all depends on the artist, the kind of artist you want to be. And on the other hand, then you have some people who their their whole goal is to be recognized as a jazz musician. Um I'm trying to think, oh man, i I recently had like, can't remember who it is, but I, I had some uh, a client who, had like a fam- very, 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 very famous um, friend of theirs, like someone we would all know. And he put out a jazz record and we were all like, why are he doing this? Like they're billionaires, like what? And it's like, he, all he wanted is to be like accepted and, and get admiration from the jazz community because to him, that was the highest degree of musicianship and artistry that they, that even though he had done, like he had done all these movies and done all these things, like this was something he really wanted. And I've had clients that come to me that are, had had ventures in business or things and they're loaded, you know, they have like these amazing careers like they have all this money and, and they're putting out a jazz record. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you don't need to do this and waste all your money on this. Like, you know, you're not going to make back your money. Like, what are you doing? But it just is something they really, they, it's like their thing. Like they're like, no, like I want jazz musicians and jazz pub, you know, publication <laughs>
0: <play.">
1: Hey, <laughs> <I'm> just like <laughs> all them right.
0: Send them to our website. We have a nonprofit. We're doing some stuff with some kids, tell them we need the support, you know. Then go ahead and hit that <laughs> go ahead hit that donate button. It's gonna, it's gonna feed their soul. And we'll record a jazz record with them. i put Greg on it. He played Michael Blue Blade, he's famous. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> absolutely that's <laughs> big time, absolutely.
2: <laughs> Yo, Lydia. Um, do you have any um, maybe favorite artists that you've been working with or have been hearing about on the come up that, that we should know about?
1: Yeah, that is a, is a loaded question. So I don't want to leave anyone out, but I'll tell you some records that I've been really <laughs> digging. Um, working a lot of great records right now, but um, a record I, I'm definitely digging is um, a Dee new record. Um, I want to see yeah, my heart on for of life. It's really good. Um, I saw her at Brick Jazz Fest the other day. It was awesome to see that music live. I think that she is just amazing. Um, another record I'm really digging lately is by Rachel Effrock. um, "The Garden," which was released on Rainy Days Records. Really good. Um, I have uh, a nice record coming from Henry Cole coming out um, in a couple a couple weeks, which is awesome. I mean, I something that I, I really love about the way that that you know we've kind of structured this business is like we don't just represent one thing like we have you know latin jazz i have more um kind of like singer songwritery jazz stuff we've got you know free improvisation i mean there's so much to kind of uh choose from and i actually do that intentionally so that we're constantly you know broadening our scope and that we're not just only doing one thing because i i do think it's important to be really 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 good at one thing um and i totally get like for instance if someone comes to me with like a standards record a vocal standards record like Most of the time, I'm probably going to pass because I'm like, that's really not my my wheelhouse, but it could be depending on who the the singer is. But it's usually not my thing. But I do know that I'm really good in these like five other things. So because of that, I'm always listening to new stuff and I'm always hearing new things. Um, So I I would say, though, that Henry's record, um, Rachel's record and Adi's record, they're all very different, but are all super, super special in their own way. And um, the Funny thing is, is that I'm always listening to my own clients. Cause I'm always having to pitch them right about them, and I'm always listening to incoming stuff that we're always pitched that I don't get to hear. I mean, I, I listen to music all the time, but I, it's rare these days that I get to just like zone out on like a new release and listen from start to finish. And it's not for me working, and that kind of sucks. I, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I, I do kind of like miss like listening to music for pleasure, which something I don't get to do that much these days and that, that kind of that's not great so I'm trying to get better at it and set time aside where I'm like okay I'm gonna like actually listen to something that I want to not that I have to <laughs> even if it's great um so yeah it's kind of like where I'm at right now which is kind of funny
0: <laughs> I love that and uh we we gotta go we gotta go Lydia this this was beautiful and thank you yeah so. I'm
1: going to Smalls who's coming to small guys come to Smalls second so set uh free free jazz Co- free jazz There's no, no jazz. cover <laughs> it's most certainly a cover of Faith Pay It. It is for my, it is, it is, I'm double dipping tonight. It is not just, it's my husband and my father on the same gig. Um, so you guys definitely need to pay the cover. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's, it's cool. I'm going to run down, run downtown, but this was so fun. Absolutely.
0: Thank you. I I just want to, before we go, I want to give you an opportunity to tell people how they can hook up with you, how they can link you, DM you, and pay you all the money to promote this. Please
1: don't DM me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm literally, oh my gosh. So I'll take this opportunity to say... (laughs) No, please don't DM me. Please don't at me. Um, uh, email is what's up. Um, it might take me a minute to get to it, but e- email is is where is where where I live. Um, but but I'm on I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Uh, LydiaLevin.com. Also LydiaLevinPromotions at um, on Instagram and on Facebook and yeah you can kind of see what's up and what we have um what we have cooking and yeah for you know potential if anyone is like interested in in learning more about a publicist or like wants to talk to us um email is 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 the move but uh you might have to follow up a couple times because i'm bad at it lately (laughs) i say this because i get
2: stuff going on
1: yeah I just like I I, it's been it's hard it's one. I think you know what it is you know what a publicist does they answer emails that's it
2: you're just in email and the story
1: that's like you actually we could just like erase the whole hour and just say that (laughs)
2: the whole hour summed up Uh, honestly
1: we just answer and send emails (laughs) thanks guys
0: yeah absolutely there you have it y'all and uh we have miss Lydia Lydia Liebman here tonight and uh, this was a, this was, I feel like I just, just got a master class. So, you know, we going to, I hope y'all took some notes. So anyway, my name is Darian Douglas. And I'm Gregory Ashi. Thank you so much, Livia. Thank you guys
1: so much for having me.
0: Thank you. Artist Project. And we'll catch y'all next time. Later.